Hey, I'm Mary. And I'm Jake. And you're listening to The Fly Angle, the official RDU Airport podcast. Welcome to The Fly Angle. We're excited about another super episode today. I'm still reeling about our last episode that was top performing and interesting with Kristen Johnston. And honestly, since our podcast, I've already asked her for two maps. Yeah, I believe it. (laughs) I learned so much in that episode and had to go back and read up on it just to kind of get even more familiarized after doing that interview with her. Apparently, I wasn't the only one because we had a follow-up question from our friend DJ on Instagram. So what do you say, Mary? You want to go ahead and knock our airmail question out first thing? Yes, let's hear it. So DJ asked, what functions are GIS used for other than capital development? And that's an interesting question. So first off, anybody who hasn't listened to that episode, we definitely encourage you to go back one episode and listen to Kristen Johnston's interview with us, where she talks a little bit about this on the the wide-ranging applications of GIS at an airport, Mm. really anywhere, but especially here at RDU. But it's everything. It's, It's everything from understanding airfield topography to property lines to keeping track of, like, the utilities like water and sewer at the airport, right? It's it's all sorts of stuff. It's very cool. There's integrating with our IT department with information services on digital applications. You name it, there's a department at RDU that uses it, Seriously. including, like you including just said, <laughs> including communications. Yes, and she comes through every time, but it is fascinating. And just, you know, you think about full cycle of her work. She starts at the onset of a project and then sees it all the way to the end with so many different intricacies. It's pretty fascinating, but it was a cool episode to have her. So Mary, it wasn't that long ago that we had what might have been my most fun experience on the job here at RDU, and that, that was the launch of Reykjavik, launch yes. of Icelandair's debut service yes. from RDU. Did you, what did you think of that event? I was pretty blown away. I've never been to a gate party. I haven't been to a launch like this. So this was my first official big one. And it was so cool. The water cannons like kind of take your breath away. But, you know, a big kudos to our team because we pulled off a seamless event. It was great to work with the Iceland Air folks and just yeah. good stuff. What so, about you? So for the people who didn't get a chance to go in person or to see the festivities online, we had a big gate party. We had remarks from our chairman and our CEO. Leaders from Iceland Air were there. You know, some festivities for the guests who were both arriving and departing. Right. Some welcome some welcome treats. Yeah. Icelandic Iceland water. water. Uh, cheer wine. <laughs> I definitely might have kept that bottle. Just as yeah. a nice little memoir. The meeting of the two cultures was really special to see in person and uh, got to talk to the flight crew a little bit and, and yeah. um and watch the water cannon salute. That was from the ramp. That was that was so cool. It was. I was sitting there like wondering, like, that's an inaugural flight. There were so many people that took that flight just to highlight that experience. And I was wondering if they were seeing and witnessing what we were witnessing, you know, pulling up to the gate. It was pretty spectacular. And that plane is pretty awesome, too. Yeah. We're going to talk a lot about Iceland Air in this episode. But um, really, you know, I think there's also just something special about launching a new international flight, right? Yeah. The Reykjavik flight is the first of three that are going to be kicking off here in the next few weeks. Next up is Montreal. That is service from Air Canada that we lost during the pandemic that we've Mm -hmm. been excited to get back for a while. They've maintained their service to Toronto, but are bringing back their Montreal service. So that's going to be a great one. And also the Montreal service is (laughs) 
a fun trivia answer for the question that we we get usually once a month on Twitter. Yes. And that question is, uh, why do we have announcements overhead in the terminals in French? And it's because it's it due in part because of Montreal, the Montreal flight, but also the Paris flight. Yes. You know, it's just a good feeling, Jake. I think it signals a lot of recovery, restarting. We've talked about that a lot on the podcast. It's a good feeling to increase that connectivity and that transatlantic connection as well as to the folks up north, right? Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about headlines. The Memorial Day weekend unofficially marks the kickoff of busy summer travel season at airports around the U.S. And in fact, April marked an important milestone for RDU's recovery. I need the applause sound effects right now. (laughs) The airport welcomed 1 million passengers for the first time since the onset of the pandemic in early 2020. Two years ago since we saw this number of travelers. Yeah. Wow. You know, it seems like ancient history now, but right before the pandemic, you might remember that RDU was serving something like north of 14 million passengers a year Mm -hmm. total. And so having a million in a month was not uncommon. Right. Uh, it was, it was, in fact, it was regular. It was a norm. Um, we haven't had that in... Two years. Tw- yeah, 28 Yikes. months, maybe? 25 months? So to get it back is a big milestone. I think in all, the April employment total was 65% higher than April 2021. And it's so encouraging to see that recovery continue to be so strong. And more so considering the business traveler mix has still yet to fully recover, right? Right, right Mary? The, mm-hmm. the leisure travelers are still kind of leading the way. If anything, that leisure category is outsized compared to pre-pandemic. Right. And stick around later in the podcast because I think we're going to have some additional details about what that looks like for our region specifically with one of our guests, right? That's right. All of that said, with greater traveler numbers comes our perennial reminder <laughs> so to give yourself extra time if you're yes. flying through the airport anytime soon just, we, we always say it but get here two hours early book your parking in advance the deck fills with regularity during the week and over busy travel weekends you can book your parking online now at parkrdu.com and get some some of the lowest rates available if not the lowest rate available all that to say, just give yourself extra time. We don't, we don't want anybody to miss their flight. If you're listening and planning to head to the airport, take that advice. It's good advice, and it'll help give you a smooth travel experience. Along with air service recovery, RDU is also working to restore restaurants, retail, and more services to ensure that guests have ample amenities to choose from when flying through. The airport expects to open its newest concept, Reef Virtual Kitchen, in Terminal 2 this summer. Yeah, so Reef Virtual Kitchen is one of two concepts that are getting ready to open. The other one is Uptown Burger Bar, which as a cheeseburger fan, I do. <laughs> I am very excited about. But I wanted to talk a little bit too about Reef Virtual Kitchen in particular because it's something like we've never seen in the airport before. Right. So what you'll do at Reef, and it's it's supposed to open uh, soon this summer. When you go there, it's, it's a very atypical storefront. You're not going to see a lot of servers up front. You're not going to see a lot of cashiers. You're going to be able to order by QR code on your mobile device and choose from one of nine concepts, um, everything from 800 degrees and payway to local concepts like, like American Melt, BU, and Hubgrove. There's nine concepts. They're all very different. You can mix and match. But the idea is that you can just order on your phone yes, and your food arrives in a locker that is code assigned to you that you get the code. Temperature and sensitive. If you want something cool, yeah. it's going to be cool for if you. If you want something you, warm, it's going to be ready for you. 
And and if you want to have it delivered to your gate room, you can have that. Like you can ask them to deliver it to you directly at your gate. That's another level of fancy. Yeah, this is like <laughs> something like we've never done before. And I'm hoping it goes well. I think it will go very well because it's something that we've heard from our guests for especially the last couple of years. They're expecting not just a different kind of service, a service that's a little more modernized and reflective yeah. of the times we live in now. Absolutely. I think that's one of the things that we've seen a lot with recovery from the pandemic, that technology has changed, innovation has changed, and we're really easing that customer experience with those innovative measures like Reef Kitchen. So I'm looking forward to that as well. Yeah. Can't wait to try it. So with this added traffic comes a resumption of important capital projects as well as necessary maintenance. Visitors to the airport will notice roadwork impacts at International Drive. This is a big project and work will continue through the fall. So again, if you didn't hear me two minutes ago, <laughs> give yourself extra time if you're flying through RDU. <laughs> yep. There's a lot of capital projects already in motion. We are very much in hurry up mode. We are preparing for the imminent opening of the final two new lanes at, at the security checkpoint in Terminal 2. That's something I've been excited about for a long time. These checkpoint lanes are in our Vision 2040 master plan that we point out. What better way to alleviate congestion at one of the bigger choke points? Because if you've flown, you understand there's a linear path you take. You go through ticketing. You go through the checkpoint. You go to your gate. You go to the jet bridge, you get on the plane. There's no real like shortcuts. You have to follow that path. Right. Which means if one of those points, like the checkpoint, is congested or outsized congested, um, everything else gets congested too. So we think those two lanes are going to help a lot, especially in the early morning with, with something like 25% of our flights happen before, right. I think it's before 9 a.m. Before 9, yep. yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you want to see what else we're working on, check out the Vision 2040 page in rdu.com. That's just www.rdu.com slash Vision 2040. Yeah, shameless plug too. Lots of opportunities. This airport is growing. There's construction opportunities. There's paving opportunities. There's so many cool things that are outlined in Vision 2040 about the future of RDU. So do visit the 2040 page at rdu.com. Our guest this episode brought RDU's first transatlantic nonstop service in more than two years. He's the CEO of Iceland Air, Boggy Nils Bogason. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. We're glad to have you on the podcast and welcome you to the region. You know, when the flight came in, I think we all had goosebumps. It was a sight to see, and we are so glad that you're here with us. So can you tell us how Iceland Air decided on RDU as its next North American destination? Yeah, we are very excited, just just like you. you know, this is our first uh, inaugural flight uh, for to North America for four years. And of course, the first inaugural flight, uh, you know, post-pandemic. You know, this is a, a strong sign that uh, we are coming back to some kind of a normalcy after, you know, two years of navigating through the COVID situation. And, and that is just a, a great, great feeling. And uh, RTU has been on our horizon uh, for a few years, uh, pre-COVID as well. So we did some analysis in, in the past and we saw this as an opportunity, but uh, it never made the, we can say, the, the final list. Uh, but now, during the last uh, couple of years, we have been seeing some changes, uh, both within our company and also here. We have been seeing, you know, movements uh, within the USA. Uh, people are moving from other states uh, to here. Uh, and then on our side, uh, we uh, brought in a new aircraft type into our fleet, uh, the Boeing 737 MAX, which is a smaller aircraft uh, than the 757 aircraft that we have been operating, and uh, much more fuel efficient. Uh, so just when we, you know, 
when everything uh, boiled together, we just saw this is a, is a good opportunity now. And uh, by doing this, we, we are connecting, you know, this area here to over, yeah, around 25 destinations in Europe and, uh, of course, Iceland and then Greenland as well. So it, we see this as, as, as a perfect fit and hopefully it will work very well. Well, if last night was any indication, yeah, it's definitely. Uh, a welcome yeah. surprise. We're, we're definitely yeah. happy to, to see you here finally after months of waiting and yeah. getting ready for it. There's a lot for North Carolinians to be excited about with this new international nonstop destination. Can you tell us about what to see when we're visiting Iceland? Yeah, where, where should I start? Where, how long time do, do we have? You know, Iceland, Iceland, is, a, Iceland is, a, is a unique uh, destination. Uh, you know, the na- nature is just, you know, exceptional. We have the waterfalls, we have the cases, we have the glaciers, and uh, it's a rather big, you know, country, bearing in mind that we are only 360,000 people living there. So there is a lot of uh, space, you know, uh, peacefulness if you are, if you want that. Uh, but we also have, you know, Great nightlife if you're for that as well. Uh, so it is just endless opportunities, uh, whether it's in the west, east, uh, or the north, or, or the south of Iceland, uh, different landscapes and, and, and so on. And um, in the past, you know, uh, or looking back uh, the last two years, the tourism in Iceland has been growing a lot until COVID hit us, of course. Uh, but now we are seeing uh, strong demand uh, this summer back. But uh, when the tourism industry was growing, uh, people were mostly visiting the, the southwestern part of, uh, of Iceland, uh, but then we have uh, hidden gems in, in the north and, and, the, and the east. I'm actually from the, from the east coast of Iceland, brought up in a very small town uh, with only 1,000 people living there, oh, wow. and that is just a, a great area to visit, you know. We have great nature, and it's a very exotic destination to visit. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to bring the hiking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> great for hiking, and uh, of course, uh, during the high season or during the... Summer in June, uh, we have 24-hour daylight, uh, so for golfers, you can tee off at uh, midnight and play, play 18 holes, so that, that's very nice. There you go. Oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> but then in December, hopefully, we will, this will become a holier destination for us uh, in a few years' time, so if you visit in December, we only have, you know, three hour of, hours of daylight, and that is just, you know, very cozy and, and nice as well. There you go. You know, you touched on this a little bit about connectivity to Europe, and RDU Flyers are already telling us that they're very excited about Iceland's stopover program for visiting mainland Europe. So Mm -hmm. can you tell us a little bit more about that program? Yeah, we offer our passengers or customers to uh, connect uh, via Iceland between the continents and uh, make a stop in Iceland for up to seven days uh, in just one, you know, flight ticket, so it's just uh, one airfare, so to say, and so you can, uh, you know, visit Iceland on your way to Europe or vice versa, and this has been a very, you know, popular uh, product that we have been, you know, offering for probably 10 years or so, and uh, we are going to focus a lot on that, uh, like in this market here, so it's, we can say, two, two for one when you are going to Europe, and you can also fly within Iceland and fly to the north or the east or, or the west. Uh, with this stopover program. That's awesome. Changing gears a little bit, this is RDU's first transatlantic flight since March 2020, as I mentioned earlier, with enplanements rebounding the RDU. It's a great time to be an airport (laughs) in North America, no doubt. Other airports worldwide are seeing a similar trend. What are your expectations for the busy summer travel season in Iceland and and for your airline? Yeah, we are seeing a a lot of pent-up demand in all our markets. 
and uh, there is a big demand for visits to Iceland for, for the high season and uh, if we look at our you know capacity for the summer we are up to 77% of uh, 2019 uh, levels in this quarter quarter 2 and we will go up to 85% in uh, in the third quarter uh, uh, but the, the total capacity into Iceland is uh, at a similar level as uh, in 2019 so as i said there is a a big demand uh, for you know visiting Iceland and it just seems that uh, in all our markets and everywhere people are eager to travel uh, travel to destinations uh, like Iceland and that is just you know a very good position to be in uh, for, for us after uh, two years of COVID. So it's great Absolutely. that we are ramping up our network in a, yeah, in a successful manner. That's great. And we obviously here historically have been business and leisure, but predominantly business. And then to see the leisure audience grow as quickly and recover as quickly as it has, I, I'm sure that in Iceland you've probably seen a similar effect of, of a disproportionate growth in that category. Yeah, definitely. We, we are not... Uh, we are focusing on the, on the leisure market and have been doing that in the past. And uh, that uh, market is uh, coming very strongly back uh, now, post-COVID. And, uh, and that is just what we are seeing, as I said, in all our markets. Uh, there is some impact uh, that we still see because of the testing requirement uh, still here back into the U.S. So, so hopefully those uh, requirements will be, will be lifted uh, very soon. Sure. So shifting gears a little bit, more fun question along the leisure line. Is this your first time in North Carolina? Yeah, this is my, my first time ever, and I'm very excited. Uh, there is a, we have a big schedule today to you know do some sightseeing and explore the area, and I'm very excited to, to see it and experience it. I've heard a lot of good things uh, from here. I'm sure. Is there any cuisine or culture that you're most intrigued by or that you're interested in? Honestly, I'm a very, a very keen golfer. Uh, unfortunately, I don't have any time to explore the golf courses uh, today or during this uh, visit, but I've already decided to bring my wife uh, in the autumn to come here and play, you know, and explore some golf courses. Uh, yeah, we've got a few. We uh, do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we also, you know, Iceland is a golf crazy nation. We have uh, 70 golf courses for 360,000 people. So we at Iceland there, we, we will try to bring a lot of golfers uh, from Iceland from Iceland to here. During the 24 hours of light, I guess the golf courses can stay open all day around. Yeah, yeah. So, so <laughs> yeah. So we have we have midnight golf tournaments and so on, which is great. That's, yeah. that's fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. absolutely. Great. Well, we do hope that you enjoy your stay. It's been a pleasure meeting you and your team and working with you, and we wish you the very, very best. Thank you very much, and, and same to you. It's not just airport staff that has been preparing and getting ready for Iceland's arrival to RDU. The entire community has prepared to welcome our newest airline partner, and that includes the Economic Development Partnership of North Carolina, also known as the Visit NC. Heidi Walters is the Director of Partner and Industry Relations at Visit NC. Heidi, welcome to the podcast. Nice to be here. Yeah, we're excited to have you on. Heidi, this Reykjavik service is RDU's first transatlantic flight in more than two years. What significance does that have to the region from a from a tourism and travel perspective? Well, any connection to Europe is going to be helpful. And this is another connection, but at a lower price point than some of the other ones we've had. So I think it's going to bring different markets, demographics of people. Um, but it's, it's the perfect entryway into the southeast. We know that most of our visitors internationally come and visit multiple states. They're not just going to stay here. So it's a great central location for them 
to get a car and go from here. Sure, that makes sense. Um, and in, we did do a little research, and in 2018 and 19, we saw about 1,200 Icelanders um, here in wow. North Carolina. Yeah, it's a market we've never worked before, so we're very excited about moving forward with this. Do you have a sense of, you know, was it a mixture of visiting friends and family? Was it a mixture of, hey, we just want to see, like, the natural wonder of, of North Carolina? I know that there's a little bit of carryover there between rugged adventurer that you might meet in, outside of Reykjavik and somebody who wants to go hike the trails in the mountains of North Carolina, for example, or something like that. Do you have a sense of, you know, what, what kind of mixture that group is, or...? I don't from the Iceland specific, but you know most of our international visitors have probably already been to New York and Florida and out west, and they're ready to see some real America and, sure. and sit down with some real Americans. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's probably the same sort of mixture. You know, we've got the Great Smoky Mountain National Park, which is the number one most visited park. And so people have heard of it, you know, and so that if that's all they know, then they come here and experience the rest. Along those lines, is there anything in specific as you've been the expert marketing this region in terms of North Carolina culture that Icelanders should try when they come here? Yeah, I mean, all of those things that set us apart from other destinations. So definitely food and not just barbecue. You know, right. I, we talk a lot about barbecue. But it's very important to get barbecue right. <laughs> it is to get the barbecue right. Yes, absolutely. But, you know, there are so many great chefs just in this right. region that are really blending the foods of their cultures with the Southern culture. And I think that really sets us apart food-wise mm -hmm. um, in this triangle region. Um, and then beer. You know, sure. yeah, beer, yeah. lots of beer, lots right. of beer. Right, when you walk beer. into, the into Terminal 2, you can <laughs> you can find no shortage of uh, local craft beer right there, too. Yeah. So they're they're starting their, their North Carolina beer tour as soon as they get off the plane. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and things like even seafood, because mm -hmm. we have different seafood than they have in Iceland, right? right. We, we're not have cod down here, but we've got plenty of shrimp. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So some of the shark delicacies that they have there don't carry over <laughs> to the eastern North Carolina. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And then, as I mentioned, the national park entities, the national coastlines yeah. that we have and the universities. It's such a hotbed for education here. I think mm -hmm. that that brings a lot of people. Mm -hmm. That's great. So you actually visited Iceland in 2019. Is that right? I did. I've never been. Can you tell us about some of the highlights of that trip? I'm just curious from your, your perspective as a flyer as well as a tourism expert. <laughs> well, it was really interesting because I had no preconceived idea of Iceland. So when we got there, it was just like, wow, this is really neat. Reykjavik has a small town feel. And we got there, I guess it was a week after Pride Week. And they still had everything painted, and it was just a very open, happy place. The people were really happy um, and so nice, and they were so proud of what they have, you mm -hmm. know? And it was just, they, they wanted to tell you where to go. Yeah. You should do this. You should do this. That right. sounds like another place I know. Right. This, this is the, I know. the cultural similarities between there and North Carolina are kind of, uh, every. I, I learn something new every every time I hear more about it. Oh, yeah. But just the, the contrast between you could be on a glacier and 20 minutes later you're at a hot spring. Wow. You know? wow. I mean, yeah. It's, yeah, it's just, it's like nothing I'd ever seen before. Wow. So. That's awesome. It's a great place. So Heidi, air travel continues to be on the rebound, particularly within the leisure category. What's next for Visit NC as interest in the region grows? Well, we are recalculating and doing our research and trying to figure out where we go next. 
So prior to COVID, in the, the decade that was preceding COVID, international visitation to the state grew an average of 4% a year, and spending grew 5%. So we were on a really good steady trajectory to making some records. And in 2019, nearly a million international visitors came to the state and spent more than a billion dollars. Wow. So um, it's not our biggest market, but it's a significant market. And growing. And growing, growing, Yeah. yeah, yeah. And according to Tourism Economics that does our research, the next several years show a very positive growth and visitation is expected to fully recover by 2025 and revenue possibly before that. It's just so That's powerful. Like, yeah. We talk about it all the time. We're looking at those numbers. You know, you're doing the same, but it's just so incredible how quick this region, this state has bounced back or just continue to grow in spite of a global pandemic. I'm just continue to be amazed. Yeah. So we, for years, have had international representation in some of those key markets like Germany, the UK and Canada. Sure. Mm-hmm. And over the last few years, the South has come together as a region and there's a organization called Travel South USA. And so we work with them to promote the South to the rest of the world. So through them, we reach all of our emerging markets, including France and Australia and Italy and all of these kinds of places, which has been a great help in familiarizing people with right. the South. Right. right. They, they, their brand comes immediately to mind when they when they conjure up a picture of you know, what they can explore when they get here. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, those numbers really underscore the urgency that we've felt about getting that air service restored as quickly and sustainably as possible. Like you said, there's real dollars at stake. There are people itching to come here, and they just want to make sure they have a way to get here, right? So right. that's great. I, I love yeah. to hear that. That's wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. Well, what we're starting to hear a little more from our international representation is sustainability. And so while we know... You have to travel on an airplane to get here, right? That's not sustainable. But as long as you're transparent about that and talk about how we offset things like that. Right. And I think with you talking about some of the new advances in aircraft, I think that's going to be a really popular thing to help promote visitation to this region. Yeah, we know that the the airlines have started to communicate more about, you know, the emission levels of their flights. Um, On the airport side as well, you know, sustainability has been on the tip of our tongue for a long time. Yes, absolutely. Growing responsibly and thinking about Mm -hmm. what this region looks like and how we can just incorporate some of those sustainability practices in our everyday work and and for the customer experience, too, because we understand that they want to be a part of that. Speaking of which, we know you played a huge part in making all this happen. So we appreciate the partnership with Visit NC, your continued support of the airport and anything else that you would leave anyone who's interested in coming to the south or visiting Iceland? Well, coming to the South, we are just a welcoming place. We love visitors. We love showing off our area. And as far as going to Iceland, everyone should do it because it is a unique experience. That's awesome. And, and I, we thoroughly enjoy working with the folks here at RDU. Thank you for that. Thank you. Thanks. Well, those were two pretty great interviews, huh, Mary? Yes, they were. I really hope to see Bogey again for some golf, maybe, or so that he can experience more of North Carolina and some of the culture that Heidi shared. Yeah, I've always been fascinated with tourism work, and Heidi has been doing some great work at Visitancy for a long time. Talking about Bogey Niels Bogeson, we've been wanting to get an airline 
executive on the Fly Angle for a long time. And what better way to celebrate Iceland Air's launch right. than to have their CEO on? If you guys like hearing from these airline staff and executives, uh, we absolutely would love to keep bringing those those opportunities to the podcast. Tell us who you want to hear from. We want to get some exciting guests for you on future episodes. And while you're at it, submit your email questions to us at communications at rdu.com. We want to try to unpack some of the, the big yes. mysteries of what daily airport life is like. That's right. We appreciate that interaction with our listeners and that positive feedback as well as the questions. In the meantime, follow us on Instagram at FlyRDU or on Twitter and Facebook at RDU Airport. Sounds good. See Until you guys next then, episode. Take care. Bye.